This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Didn't sound like a sexy quarterback matchup at the beginning of the season, but here we are. Divisional playoffs, Jalen Hurts and Dan Dimes. The winner goes to the NFC Championship. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also listen on your smart speaker. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. She is Courtney Cronin. And I think we have to rule this out, Courtney. I mean, I think the Giants have to do something now that he's won a playoff game, throwing for 300 yards, rushing for almost 100 yards. Daniel Jones is going to be back with the Giants next year, I would think. I feel like they have no other choice but to offer him an extension and probably pay, not necessarily in the range of what they thought it would be with his fifth-year option on an average annual basis, but my goodness, the resurgence and the breath of fresh air that Brian Dable has breathed into this franchise has, you know, yielded the answer that Daniel Jones can win you games, really important ones too. Yeah, I have an unconfirmed report that Jordan Ronan, who covers the Giants for ESPN NFL Nation, made vacation plans for this weekend because he thought that his team was going to go 4-13 and this year or something. <laughs> and he was very surprised that he's actually stuck working and covering a game. Can you confirm or deny, Jordan, that that is true? It is true, although I did pick six wins, not four I went up to six. I, I, I expected a really big season from them and got to six. But we always used to joke about um, how our Mike Reese, our Patriots reporter, he used to work until mid-February every year, and I used to just be off on January 1st and have my vacations all in January, and he'd still be working. But uh, the tides have turned. Yeah, they certainly have. The Minnesota Vikings were the opponent that the New York Giants played in the wild card round. The Giants get the best of the Vikings this time around, and they're headed towards a divisional playoffs. And I know that like this kind of feels like everything's a year ahead of schedule, just based on what their salary cap situation was, the roster turnover, and the questions that they had to answer this year For when sure. it came to Saquon Barkley, when it came to Daniel Jones. But now that... All of those questions, at least in the short term, have been answered. How do you expect them to come out in this Philly game against a divisional rival? You usually don't lose to an opponent three times in one season. Am I wrong for having confidence in the Giants at this point that they might actually pull off this upset? Yeah, well, man, it's a big upset to pull off because the Eagles are a way more talented team top to bottom. But what I do think is you have a confident Giant team that – is going to play this game close because if you look at Week 18, and I know Jalen Hurts wasn't 100%. The Jalen Hurts we saw in Week 18 is not the Jalen Hurts we're going to see this week. He, he They had one designed run. That was a quarterback sneak. He leads the league, averaging almost seven designed runs a game. So obviously much different team. But the Giants played their backups in that game, and the Eagles were playing you know, full throttle trying to get the number one seed in the bye. And they needed an onside kick at the end to secure the game. So the Giants certainly come into this game with a lot of confidence. They're playing better. They're a way different team than Philly blew out early in December when the two teams played. Philly put up a 48 spot on the Giants. So I do think with the way Daniel Jones is playing, with them being significantly healthier than that first matchup, it's a, they have a chance in this game. It'll take a lot, but they have a chance. Jordan, what what do you make of the way Jalen Hurts played in Week 18, and how much rust do you think he'll have to knock off in order to get the Eagle offense going? See, I don't view it – the way I look at it, he threw the ball fine. 
The only difference was they took out the whole designed run, the zone read, any threat of uh, Jalen Hurts essentially running the ball, which is a huge part of their offense. So, yeah, of course, to me, they didn't look as good. But he looked to be fine to me in regards to being able to throw the football, which I think, you know, is a big key. The question is, can he take hits? Can he take? Can he get hit to the ground? How will he feel as he goes along with that shoulder? I don't know if we're going to know that answer until we actually play, but I think if you're the Eagles, I mean, and everything that I've heard is that it's – I mean, he's not on the injury report. And as Wink Martindale told me today, he said, he's not on the injury report – I'm expecting Jalen Hurts, the MVP candidate. And I think that's how the Giants have to approach it. And I don't, I don't see why he wouldn't be, you know, near full strength. I think that bye week was huge for them. Yeah, definitely a good amount of time for the Philadelphia Eagles to reset for Jalen Hurts and his shoulder injury to continue to heal up because we know that they'll be going against a pretty ferocious pass rush, or at least one that looked like that, in uh, the wild card game against the Minnesota Vikings. And I keep going back to that fourth and eight play where Kirk Cousins had Dexter Lawrence in his lap, honestly, before he had a chance to do anything, Jordan. Like, defensively, yeah. can you ta- can you speak to the job that Wink Martindale has done with that front seven, particularly the unit he has up front, I know he's been a name that's been floated for some head coaching opportunities, but what he's done with that group to get them playing at this level going into divisional playoffs feels like that's going to be a really big threat that Philly has to watch out for. It's funny because I was looking at the stats today. The Giants are 27th against the run, right? There's something like 16th or 18th against the pass, and you're like, man, they're not. what are they very good at? But then you look at their points scored and you're like, all right, they're only they're like 14th in points scored. So, you know, when they need to make plays, they just they're able to dial up enough blitzes. And this is really the Wink Martindale effect is that he, his thing is pressure breaks pipes. That's what he always preaches. You know, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to attack. And he's able to, you know, draw it up and bring pressure and bring these blitzes at the right time just enough where this unit, which isn't great, Right, you can see by their rushing defense, by their passing defense, they're not great on either side, but they're able to make enough stops and enough uh, in key spots that they're able to limit the opponent. So he deserves a ton of credit for that. Now, what he does have, hopefully, he's hoping at his disposal, and he really hasn't had it much of the year, is their top four defensive linemen, or at least I'm counting there at two outside linebackers. Kayvon Thibodeau, Zizo Jalari, who they're hoping is back for this game. Uh, he has uh, he missed most of the wild card game with a quad injury. And then you have Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams in the middle. If, if you have all four of those guys, their front becomes that much better. They just He hasn't had that for an extended time this season. And on top of that, Adoree Jackson's playing. He came back last week. Xavier McKinney's been back for a few weeks now. They both missed that first Eagles meeting when the Eagles put up 48 points. So that's why I said earlier, a much different Giants defense they're going to be looking at. Jordan, appreciate the time. Thank you, and good luck to the Giants heading into this weekend. That's Jordan Renan, our ESPN NFL Nation Giants reporter. Canty and Carlin is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Second down, play fake. Jones rolls left, throws left, wide open for the touchdown is Bellinger. Dropping dimes, dropping dimes. I've said it all year. He's been good for us, continues to be good for us. 
problem. I know we have a good quarterback. I think he's shown that most of the time. But we also got amazing players around him too. So we got his back no matter what. People underestimate the athletic ability of Daniel Jones, and you see it time and time again that he's more than capable of making big plays with his legs. We are simply presuming that there's nobody else in the NFL that can see the skills of Daniel Jones and make it work. It only takes one other team that thinks that they've got the right system in place, that he's comfortable with their coaching staff, and all of a sudden he's going to get paid like a top 5-6 guy. Damn, Daniel. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. She is Courtney Cronin. And the Giants are a fascinating story to me, really. As I take a look, Courtney, at everything that they've got going on right now, everyone's talking about their offseason decisions. You know, what are they going to do with Daniel Jones? What are they going to do with Saquon Barkley? They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Actually, I'm now asking the question, wait a second. Are they good enough right now to go to the Super Bowl right now? And should we really be shelving that conversation until the offseason for them actually arrives? You know, health is on their side at this point. Remember, they didn't go into the wild card game with anybody on the injury report with a designation. That was the first time I think that happened all season. So it's a good sign. But to say that they are a Super Bowl team right now, I think is probably a little premature. I still think that Dallas and San Francisco probably are ahead of them there. And Philly, at least from some respects, it's still the favorite, but they've proven that at least for now, they have a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL who is more than worthy of a contract extension this offseason. I think that Daniel Jones has done exactly what you needed him to do to show you it's worth paying him. The question now becomes, Aaron, regardless of whether they win or not this weekend, I think he's getting an extension. How big of an offer will it be? And will it be long-term? Because remember, they were in salary cap hell under yeah. Dave Gettleman. Yes. And it took, you know, they still have Kenny Galladay's big contract on the books, and they've got to figure out, you know, what's going to happen beyond that. I mean, it's frustrating because of some of the prior personnel decisions that were made with this prior, you know, most of the front office that had turned over going into this season kind of hamstrings this team and what they can offer. But I do think that if you give Daniel Jones a three, four-year extension to keep him in the fold, you also sign Saquon Barkley to an extension. You can continue this thing where you have one of the better teams, maybe not like the upper two or three teams in the NFC, but you can be a playoff team with this group. They've, They've certainly shown that. And I think you can maneuver this in a way where you give Daniel Jones more than just a fair offer. I mean, he's earned it. That's the thing that I think we need to point out here. Daniel Jones not a stopgap quarterback. He's proven that he can be a legitimate starting quarterback that can win you a playoff game. Okay, but every one of these quarterbacks wants to reset the market. He's not doing that. Daniel Jones is definitely not doing that. So is there a sweet spot in between what he would want and what the Giants are able and willing to give? Because if there's not, Courtney, I just remind everybody, he's an unrestricted free agent here, right? I mean, so Mm -hmm. he could go out on the market or, you know, would they think about giving him the franchise tag and paying him $45 million well, there for are next s- year? No, I don't think so. But I do, because 
there have been other examples we can pull on here. Like, go back to Ryan Tannehill in 2019. So he proved himself by replacing Marcus Mariota in Tennessee, and then they sign him to a four-year, $818 million extension. Right. Of course, the Titans right now are not thrilled that they ended up making that move That's... because of the regression and there because of the structure of that contract, though. You can give guys deals like that and structure it far differently where it doesn't make it next to impossible to trade them should they regress at a certain point, which we have seen in the last couple seasons with Ryan Tannehill following that 2019 season where he got them to the postseason. So if I'm if I'm putting my general manager hat on and I'm Joe Shane right now, I think a four-year contract somewhere in the range of 25 to $29 million a year, maybe even 30, kind of setting like the, like we call it the low end, like the low end of the quarterbacks who are ma- who are getting paid. Uh-huh. I think somewhere in there on an average annual basis, Aaron, is fair for Daniel Jones because that can extend out his salary cap hit. You don't have to pay it all in one year. Yeah. And you're in a spot financially where you can do some of these other big extensions. The Saquon Barkley seems like a no-brainer to me. I do not think he will end up hitting the open market uh-huh. in free agency, but... Because I just, everything that you want here, like you want to capitalize on this window that you have because Saquon and Daniel Jones, to me, are a package deal. I don't think that you sign Daniel Jones if you don't have Saquon Barkley also, you know, considering him in the plan as well. I mean, what I wonder, though, is do they think that this team really has a Super Bowl ceiling or do they feel like given their coaching situation, their schedule, you know, this is sort of the maximum of what this current group could potentially achieve And do you really want to invest in Saquon and Daniel Jones together in the long run? The other question I'd have is, like, what do you do? Does Daniel Jones make another $5 million a year for every game he wins? Because if if they lose this weekend, okay, maybe you get him for the $25 million that you suggested. If they win this weekend, and then what if they win the weekend after that? All of a sudden, he's in like more like that Joe Flacco territory. Remember, he got the big contract after he went and won the Super Bowl. Sure. I think it'll be fascinating to watch. Mike Kafka is the offensive coordinator of the Giants, and he talked not about the future with Daniel Jones, but was more focused on his mentality in the present heading into this game this weekend against the Eagles. You guys see it on, on, the, um, on, the, on the TV, and you know, even though when you guys are on the field, he's pretty much the same guy every day. And, um, you know, he doesn't really sweat it either way or, you know, up or down. He kind of just stays in the game and, and keeps fighting, keep playing. And I think that's where, you know, you see a guy like him, you know, he's put us in position to be in those type of games. I would say if I'm Daniel Jones, I want to be with Brian Dable and I want to be with the Giants moving forward, right? Stable yes, organization. And I, I don't want to go like to Carolina where all of a sudden I'm thrust in with another questionable coach. No, I mean, coaching matters as we've seen in New York. We saw it in Jacksonville. And I think that the Dable Jones uh, marriage has been one that's really been successful. And if you want to read more on that, Jordan Ronan, who we had on Candy and Carlin a couple minutes ago, he wrote a really good story going into the postseason about how that came to be. And there's so many things you can pull from the blueprint that the Bills built with both Joe Shane and with Brian Dable and what they've tried to, you know, repeat down a little in New York. And I think that there's similarities for where Daniel Jones is right now in his career and where Josh Allen was, you know, at the early stages of what happened when Brian Dable started working with him. So to me, it's, you know, if I'm Daniel Jones, I see, hey, 
Look at where he took Josh Allen. Look at that career trajectory. Could that be me next? And I think absolutely he could find that same sort of success. Maybe not, you know, being one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL if you throw Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes in a hat and just pick a name out. But he can be one of the upper echelon quarterbacks on a team that is reliant upon him to win games. As you heard Mike Kafka say there, like he's the reason they're in position to win these games most times, especially lately, has been because of Daniel Jones. Well, I. I wonder, too, Courtney, how much of the conversation around the Giants is a little bit prisoner of the moment. Okay, they pulled the upset against the Vikings. It was it wasn't a huge upset, but it was a really good win on the road. I can't take that away from them. But don't forget, a couple of weeks prior, there were people really questioning whether the Giants were even going to make the playoffs. And they were locked in a dead heat. I remember on a Sunday night with the Washington Commanders in what felt like a total rock fight for a wild card spot in the NFC. I'll I'll say this. I would be surprised, really surprised, if they beat the Eagles this weekend. Is it impossible? No. Do I think they're a team that could go to the Super Bowl? I really think right now they've probably just maxed out what they're capable of based on the talent they have. Coaching can only get you so far. And I think that's where this year's version of the Giants are. Really fun year. Great for their fans. Back to being one of the great organizations in the NFL. All that is true. Super Bowl beat the Eagles. I think that's a lot to ask from Brian Dable and Daniel Jones in this version of the Giants. Well, I'm taking them this weekend. I know that you've laid forth a scenario that makes a lot of sense why you'd pick Philadelphia. And for a number of reasons, they had the first round by Jalen Hurts. We hope he's healthy just so we see a good game. But I still think it's really hard to beat a team three times in one season, Aaron. This is a much different team than the one that got beat when the Philadelphia Eagles put up 48 points on them in week 13. And they weren't playing their starters the last time we saw these two teams face off. Daniel Jones is not just lightning in a bottle. I truly believe that. I think they have something here that they can build upon. I think that they have their answer at quarterback. It's just what is the offseason going to bring for this Giants team so they can get back to this stage next year and then beyond. Yeah, I mean, can Daniel Jones beat Kirk Cousins? Can Daniel Jones beat... He just did! But can he be Kirk Cousins? I think you said, can can he beat Kirk Cousins? Like, can can He can be better than Kirk. He, He just won a playoff game. Okay. On the well, road. I mean, well, hold on. Kirk Cousins once went and beat Drew Brees on the road in a playoff game. That doesn't Some people might argue it. that they won that game. Some people who are actually there, myself included, that they won <laughs> that game on a coin flip. Let's not let's not forget that. I'm not trying to take anything away from Kirk. I just think that it's unfair to put him in that same category as a Daniel Jones because really nowhere have we ever seen the gamer mentality thrown around with one of those quarterbacks. Daniel Jones has put himself in position to not just be reliant on certain elements of this offense or everything that needs to be perfect for him to be a successful quarterback. He's done a lot of this, you know, stepping outside of that and he's more mobile too. I mean, I think that him being a playmaker for kind of Engaging the two of them, I think I know where I stand on that argument. Wow. Um, up next, all the attention is on Brady and Rodgers, but there's another quarterback situation that we may have just addressed that's worth monitoring, and we'll get to that next on Candy and Carlin. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. She is Courtney Cronin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Well, the Bills are three wins away from giving the city of Buffalo a party that they've been dreaming about for generations. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. She is Courtney Cronin. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And, Courtney, we got to go to the hotline right away where a legend is standing by. He is a seven-time Pro Bowler and a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Andre Reid joins us. Andre, let's start with this. What would a Super Bowl mean, not just for the city of Buffalo, but for you personally? Uh, man, I've heard that question the last five years. <laughs> well, well, since 1990, how about that? Um, you probably couldn't, but I can't really put that into words other than, you know, you've got teams that have played this game and played other sports that have been dreaming about uh, a championship uh, of that magnitude you know, in their sport. And it would mean, you know, tremendously, it would mean so much not only to the city, uh, to those fans, uh, to that region, and obviously to the former players. Um, it would mean a world. And that's, uh, that's what you play the game for. And uh, we've been waiting for it. And uh, we hope, hopefully it's, it's this season. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about this game uh, coming up on Sunday here with the Bengals, but it's uh, this team has, uh, you know, they started off uh, gangbusters, you know, first seven, eight games of the year, slowed down a little bit and ramped it back up again and, um, you know, kind of had a, I wouldn't say a lackluster performance uh, on Saturday against uh, against Miami, but this is the playoff and, and guys get up for the playoffs. Uh, especially if guys have never been in that situation before. And, um, you know, we got to tie some things up. Uh, if we're going to beat the Bengals on Sunday, uh, we can't make the mistakes that we did on Saturday there against Miami and expect to win uh, when you got Joe Burrow on the other side and a pretty good defense, two really good receivers, three really good receivers, probably, to me, the best trio in the league. But, uh, you know, I'm sure the, the head coach has said some things, and he did in the presser. And he said it to the team uh, in the locker room that we got we can't do this and expect to win uh, at this point of the season. So uh, I'm sure that's in the back of their minds, and um, you know we go from there. Yeah, you certainly can't turn the ball over as much as the team yeah. did collectively and as much as Josh Allen did. Andre, do you feel like those turnovers from Allen against the Dolphins were a byproduct of just poor decision-making, or is this maybe the sign of something? a little more concerning, maybe him reverting back to where he was at the midway point of the season when those turnovers started to become an issue? Yeah, I hope not. And is he forcing the ball? Is he just making bad decisions? Does he 
feel like everything's always on his shoulders and it has been to a certain point. Um, I, I think at all three of those, you just got to make better decisions. And uh, again, at this time of the year, especially during the playoffs, one of those decisions could be, could cost you the game. Um, and, and you're, you know, one and done. That's really what this is now. It's a one and done tournament. So uh, I'm sure Josh is, he's that kind of guy. I'm sure he knows what he has to do uh, as far as making better decisions. You know, the running game would be a great, great little thing, to, to, not a little thing, a big thing, especially in the playoffs, uh, to use, you know, with, with the two backs that we have there that Buffalo has in, in uh, uh, James Cook and Singletary. Um, we got to get those guys going early in the game on Saturday or on Sunday. We got to get them going early and kind of loosen up that front and, and say, okay, they're going to say we want Josh to beat us. And that's, I, don't, I don't know what your chances are there, but, again, him not making the right decisions, um, that's uh, you know, going to bode well for the Bengals uh, coming up on Sunday. But just get the running game going and, and, and keep them honest there in the secondary. Um, we should uh, um, you know, fare better than we did against the, Beng- against the Dolphins in, in making those kind of mistakes. You know, if you're one of Josh Allen's receivers, Andre, as we talked to Andre Reid here on Canty and Carlin, you know, how do you balance trying to tell your quarterback to be himself as opposed to trying to play hero ball and, as you said, do too much? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we're, we're used to seeing Josh running around, jumping over things and running in the linebackers and doing Josh Allen things. Uh, I, I don't think the, the offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, and the head coach want him to actually just say, no, don't do that at all. That's That's his game. You know, everybody has – Every quarterback has what he does best. Lamar Jackson does what he best is running. Running, that's that's what he does best. Um, you know, guys have different skill sets that their offenses use uh, to to make them a better player and make everybody else around them better. So, I don't think they're going to do that. Josh is going to be Josh. He's going to do that. But again, the decision making can cost you, especially in a game like this. So I'm sure he's really attended to detail a little bit more this week uh, of making them, them kind of decisions in those kind of situations. And take what the defense gives you, give it to your playmakers, and go from there. Andre, switching gears to the defensive side of the ball, I feel like Matt Milano has had one of the best seasons of any linebacker in the NFL, and with 10 tackles against the Dolphins last week, that certainly stands yeah. out. Yet we don't talk about him enough, so I'm trying to like give this man his flowers right now in real time. How critical of a piece do you think he's been in what Sean McDermott and the Bills are doing on the defensive side of the ball? Oh, he's very critical, and, and like you said, he's had a, a fabulous season. Um, very underrated. Nobody talks about Matt Milano, but he's he's um, sacking a quarterback. He's filling holes. He's having picks. He's he's just an all-around linebacker in that defense. And uh, yeah, like you said, he he should get some flowers or something. I'm I'm sure. And he was the first, you know, Pro Bowl, first team All Pro, all that stuff. I hope that I think I said that right, but. He is the glue in that uh, defense, and um, you know they rely on him. And uh, Matt Milano should give, be given more accolades and more props uh, than they than they have been given him because he is the the glue to that defense. And especially with Vaughn out, um, that's that's a big big blow for Buffalo. And um, you know Von Miller is just regardless of his age and this Von Miller is Von Miller, and that's that's a 
that's a piece of the puzzle that, uh, you know, we're missing. I think Greg Rousseau has done a great job uh, at um, making plays when Vaughn was out. He still is. And he's got to come up really big in this game, too. So, um, yeah, you're right about Matt Milano. He is, he is that glue there. Andre Reed, Pro Football Hall of Famer, is our guest on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Courtney Cronin. Um, we know about the emotion going on with the Bills, of course. How do you suggest that they use that as fuel, but also not something that sort of overcomes them uh, in a home game against the team that they were playing when DeMar Hamlin collapsed just a couple of weeks ago? Well, I, I think you would have saw that in the uh, the Dolphins game. Um, I think you would have saw that. Uh, uh, you did see the emotion, but uh, I'm sure, you know, that's why you have a pretty good coaching staff. They know how to keep those emotions down as much as possible. They know, you know, why they're playing. Um, they know the, the stakes of why they're playing. Um, DeMar Hamlin and what happened to him just adds more uh, emotion to the game, and some guys know how to handle it in a certain way, and some guys don't. But it's um, just go out and play football. And now that he's back in the building, he's he's been seen around the building the last couple of days. Um, they know that uh, he's okay, and just go out and and play this, you know, for themselves, play it for him, and let the chips fall where they may. Andre, appreciate the time very much, and good luck to your Bills. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys anytime. That's Pro Football Hall of Famer Andre Reed with us on Canty and Carlin. Up next, as promised, we dive more into Kirk Cousins and we get to other topics as well in three and out. This is Canty and Carlin. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Courtney Cronin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. And Carlin, the podcast. Time for us to get to three and out. We start with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Their GM, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, met with the media today. You know, it's our expectation that it'll be our quarterback. I can't say exactly how that would look. Um, again, we have everything at our disposal. We'll consider all those things just like we will with everybody else on the roster. Is it time for the Vikings to move on, Courtney, from Kirk Cousins? If it makes sense for them financially, and I think it does right now, because you're never going to get Kirk when he has a cap hit that's manageable. This is still going to be a $35 million cap hit for him in 2023. And I think you've seen the best of what you can get out of Kirk Cousins. And it's not really a slight on him of why they'd move on. Like, this defense needs a lot of work. 
a big investment in it. And I just don't know if you're trying to keep Kirk Cousins beyond the season because he's he'd be going into like a lame duck year if they didn't extend him again. And he typically doesn't play unless he has the security of more than one year beyond the year that he's playing in. I just don't know that he would agree to do that. He may try to force his way out of there if he says, hey, I just won you 13 games. Pay me or trade me somewhere else because he still has a no clause no trade clause in his contract in this wow. situation that he has. So he's got a lot of leverage. It, it, I don't – the Vikings are going to have a lot of turnover, though, from this roster. So I would imagine that it's not going to look at all like it does right now, and that could pert- pertain to the quarterback situation too. You know, he's had a fascinating career, Courtney. He's made $200 million in his career. He's won one playoff game in his career. Would you rather have that career or would you rather – be, you know, Brad Johnson or Nick Foles, you know, where you'd won a Super Bowl, but you didn't make nearly as much money as Kirk Cousins has made. Three and out. As we get to topic number two, Cowboys are sticking with the kicker that missed four extra points on Monday night. Now, it didn't hurt him, but everybody's going to be holding their breath, Courtney, when Brett Maher takes the field when the Cowboys are in San Francisco next weekend. Yeah, and I think there's a reason that they added Tristan Vizcaino, sources telling ESPN's Todd Archer today, that they at least have some insurance with the kicker position in Dallas. And I do think that's important because if you run into a situation where this is a case of yips that continue on into your divisional playoff game against the San Francisco 49ers, I think they'll be very quick to turn the thing over to the kicker that they just signed. And I just, I chalk it up to it being a bad day because Brett Maher has been lights out this season. He had missed, I think, up until the point of the third missed PAT, he had missed like three all season and then goes and misses like three straight in a game. Sometimes you got like, sometimes things like that happen. Was he dealing with any sort of injury? Was it a mental thing? You hope you can get past it in a week's time or not even a week's time because it's the playoffs and they've got they go from Monday to playing on Saturday. But at this point, it's a stressful situation if you are a Dallas Cowboys fan hoping that Dak Prescott can play the way he did against Tampa Bay and not have anything get sidetracked by kicking woes at this stage of the playoffs. Every point matters, obviously, in the playoffs, especially in what we expect to be a bit of a defensive game between the Niners and the Cowboys. But I might think about going for two after those touchdowns. I'm surprised that they didn't after the third missed PAT. I I am too, and I wonder if it's more of a mental block on the PATs specifically, and he'd actually have a better chance of making like a 50-yard field goal because he's not standing at that dreaded, cursed yard line where he (laughs) missed all of those field goals. Three and out, Canty and Carlin. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Courtney Cronin. All right, stuffed crust pizza has been a hot topic in NFL circles. Because of what Nick Sirianni ordered as the Eagles coaches were watching playoff football on their bye week last week. Uh, yeah, Scott, uh, Kanicki, guys, I, want, I was like kind of craving a Pizza Hut stuffed crust pizza, which is I haven't had that in a while. That's, that's not something I get to get at home. Um, so we had that. Um, it was in the offensive staff room. God bless our partners at Pizza Hut and all the chain pizza places that support us at ESPN and the Disney Company. I got to admit, Courtney, I have never had stuffed crust pizza. Is it worth it? 
I've had it before. It's good. And Pizza Hut does a great job with it. And I think what he was what he made it sound like he was ordering was that triple threat box that you see advertised on TV all the time that has the three drawers. It's two pizzas. And then there's like cinnamon rolls and breadsticks. It looks like a good time. And I just wonder for Nick Sirianni and the offensive coaches, how many of these boxes did they order? How many pizzas were consumed? Like, now I'm hungry, and now I want stuffed crust pizza. Uh, I got, God bless again our, our all of our advertising partners at ESPN. Let me just reiterate that before I go in on Pizza Hut. I am not chain pizza guy. It, it It's bad for you, okay? And there are a lot the of point, things that are bad for you, Aaron. Okay, but at don't, the point in my don't life— Don't rain on people's good time. At the point in my life that I'm at right now, If I am going to have pizza, if I'm going to have junk food, if I'm going to splurge for a meal, I want it to be like the local pizza shop type pizza. When I was a kid, I used to get Pizza Hut when I read a certain number of books. Did you have this program where you would get your own personal pan pizza and it was like the coolest thing ever? But nowadays, if I'm going to have the calories, I want it to be like world-class, best New York pizza not anybody's chain pizza. Well, they're in Philly. I don't think Philly's known for its pizza. So maybe this was the best that they could do in South Philadelphia. Maybe, I don't know. Someone enlighten me on that. But I don't maybe actually. Maybe they just have a deal with Pizza Hut where they got the pizzas for or free. Or maybe they're, they're just craving illegal. some chain pizza. I crave it from time to time with Papa John's. Clearly, Nick Sirianni has that same sort of uh, craving with pot, with Pizza Hut. All right. Now that we've mentioned two of the places, I feel obligated that Little Caesars should also this get a mention. Please send it over to the sales team. Joe and Amber's coming up next. This has been Canty and Carlin, Eric Gold, Amber Courtney Cronin. Honey. ESPN Radio.